morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today. Sundays, we like to look at a song, a hymn usually, a famous Christian song if we can, that has affected the church, blessed the church through the ages, and make sure that we uh, appreciate it and learn and grow through it. There are people so gifted in putting into words the thoughts and expressions of our heart. Of course, this is what the book of Psalms is about. It teaches us how to worship God, but there's so many other classical songs, and we want to appreciate and learn. We want to be good worshipers. God seeks those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. This is this brings out the fullness of our humanity as we are worshipers of God. Skeptics often ask me on campus, they often that God must have a big ego. Are you kidding me? God is humble to even hear our praise. God is the king of all. He's humble to even allow us into our presence. And it's not his ego that allows us to worship him. Worshiping him brings out the best in us as human beings, and it elevates us and lifts us up. So today we want to talk about one of the most classic of all Christian songs, maybe the most widely sung song in the history of the world. That's very possible. And we've been doing these hymns on Sundays for quite some time. I can't believe I haven't talked about Amazing Grace. What a song. Do you remember where you were the very first time you ever heard or sang or one of the first times Amazing Grace ever touched your life? It's a powerful song. In my life, I still remember I was probably 14 years old, 15 years old. I was in Houston, Texas for a youth conference all the way down from Ohio and I'd met these girls and and uh, that really loved the Lord, and they're some of the first Christians I'd ever met who were excited about the Lord. And I just was very drawn to them, wanted to learn from them. I I went out to where they were staying. They were staying out in a suburb. There's like you know we filled the Astrodome. There's thousands of people there. I was downtown, and I remember walking from late at night, you know, eleven o'clock or something, from their hotel in the suburb of Houston downtown. I don't remember all the details, but I remember I was scared to death walking through neighborhoods. I remember running across an interstate. I mean, I, I was lost in this big city as a teenager and going through these scary neighborhoods. And I remember singing Amazing Grace out loud, and I felt protected. I felt like angels were around me. And, the, and it, was a, it was a moment I'll never forget. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. This song was written by a man named John Newton. And John Newton is an interesting fellow because he actually, he was raised, he grew, his mother was a godly woman, his father was not. His mother died when he was, just before he turned seven, and he ended up at age 11, he went with his father, his father was a, a, worked on ships, and he, he began a career of working on ships at age 11. He would travel on the seas and have a job on the ships. And uh, he, he began, he developed a pretty um, sinful lifestyle there, pretty bad lifestyle. His mother had prayed for him, but his mother wasn't around anymore. And now the influence of his father and these, and these sailors, and he was a pretty licentious life. And uh, he, he, in time, he joined the Royal Navy at about age 18 and got in big trouble because he tried to desert, actually got flogged and escaped from him going to prison, Got on, and, he, and the way he escaped, he got on a slave ship. And he worked there. He wasn't a slave. He worked there, but he got involved, introduced into the slave trade. He worked himself up to where he was actually himself leading a ship. And in, in between, um, and 
and actually for four years was leading a slave ship or captain of a slave ship. But in 1754, he left that and he um, entered into a new career, just a secular career. But along that time, he began to become influenced by the preaching of George Whitfield and John Wesley. And in 1764, he became an ordained clergyman in the Anglican Church of England. It was during that time that he began to be influenced also by uh, the, the understanding of the slave trade. When we tell the story of his conversion in March of 1748, he didn't immediately turn become an abolitionist. It took him about 10, 12 years before he grew to understand what he'd done was so wrong. Sometimes that happens in our life, isn't it? We grow. We don't, we don't, sometimes we, we get converted and we don't see things right away. We don't change dramatically. Some people do, but not all do. And with, uh, with Newton for the, for, he would always commemorate March 10th as the day, 1748, as the day of his conversion. But it wasn't for a while. It wasn't until he was influenced more by the teaching of Whitfield and Wesley that his life began to deepen his walk with God. That's not uncommon. In, uh, after becoming this clergyman, he labored hard. He worked hard as a minister in his church. He began to write some hymns, and it was during this time he wrote the song Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Now, this idea of grace is based upon the verse and the scripture of Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. As we think about amazing grace, this is what we want to remember, that that we did not earn our salvation, we did not work for our salvation, we don't deserve our salvation. Indeed, he realized as he grew in his faith, and by the time he wrote this hymn, he became more and more aware of his own sinfulness, that then it was the grace of God, the mercy of God that saved him. He certainly didn't deserve it. Lots of times, again, that can be the case with us. People come to Christ, and even after they've become a Christian, they become more and more aware of how sinful they actually were, maybe even are, and the grace of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God to serve them, to save them, becomes more and more evident. My friend, if you're a Christian, it's by grace, the grace of God. Sometimes I wonder, why did God save me? Some of my buddies, some of my friends, they went the whole other direction. And why didn't I? And to be honest, I just don't know. The kindness of God, the mercy of God, God has his hand on me. Maybe people were praying for me. Maybe it had to do with my parents taking me to church. I don't know. But I give God the credit and the glory because, well, let's look at amazing grace. Verse 1, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. What a testimony. Do you have a testimony like that? Can you say that of yourself? You were blind, you were lost, you were a wretch, but the grace of God reached out, took hold of your life, opened your eyes, opened your ears, opened your mind, and you had a heart to believe, and you were saved. Verse 2. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." How precious did that grace appear, the hour 
I first believed. Some people have a dramatic conversion testimony, and he did. Some don't. Some people can point to the time, the day. Some can't. It's not really important you know when you were converted as it is to make sure that you are converted. Let me say that again. It's not as important to know when you were converted as it is to know that you are converted. Some of you have grown up and you've always believed, but it never became personal until at some stage in your life, your faith in Christ became very personal to you. Others, you were living a wretched life, and you can point to just the time that you first believed the gospel and things changed dramatically. Again, what matters is do you believe now? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. This verse reminds us that grace isn't just how we start the Christian life, it's how we keep living the Christian life. We're saved by grace, and we grow by grace. It's the, it's the grace of God. The grace is something God gives us. We don't earn it or deserve it. He gives it to us. In 1 Peter 5, it says he gives grace to the humble. And so the key thing for us is receiving. He gives, we receive. Proud people don't receive God's grace. Humble people acknowledge their need and say, God, you're giving, I receive. And indeed, grace is how we grow as well. It brings us through many dangerous toils and snares. It brings us through temptations. It brings us through difficult times. Grace is how we grow. And now this last verse that I found, interestingly, wasn't in some of the hymn books I checked. And yet, to me, it's the most significant uh, it's the most beautiful, not the most significant, the most beautiful. And it goes like this. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You know, I love Amazing Grace. And I asked you if you can remember a time it really affected your life when singing this song touched you in a very personal way. I know with, when I led my mother to Christ at age 89, it was she wanted this song sung at her funeral, and I talked to her about what this song meant, and it was the first time I believe she ever understood the grace of God and the real need to receive his salvation. You might have older friends or parents that you're wondering how to lead to Christ, and good chance they want this sung at their funeral. This is the most widely sung song at funerals. They might want it, and it might be an opportunity for you to share the gospel with them. But also, can I say, in my own life, often when I will end my preaching on campus, I'll call people forward and invite them to make a commitment to Christ. I say, if you're already a believer in Jesus, you'd like to become one, or maybe you're a backslider. You were doing well till you came to college. Now you've fallen away, and you want to come back. I call them forward. I say, we'd like to pray for our campus. We stand in a circle hold hands so they're not going to walk away, and, uh, and, I, and I begin to explain the story of the song Amazing Grace, how John Newton was a slave trader, an evil man, a wicked man, and yet he wrote what is perhaps the most famous song in the history of the world, Amazing Grace, and, he, and his conversion to Christ made the difference. I'd tell him what grace is about, and then we sing it right there on campus, right in the middle of people. Sometimes 
the unbelievers stand around and watch. We've had times the unbelievers come up and scream in our ears while we're singing Amazing Grace, and they're jeering at us and mocking us. But let me tell you, the believers who take a stand and do that, sing with me at that time, their life is never the same. Maybe you're on this YouTube right now listening, and you can remember a time when you were with me singing Amazing Grace out on the campus, in front of the right in the center campus, taking your stand for Jesus, and the unbelievers, they were watching or whatever they were doing, but you would say, that's the time singing that song changed my life. It might have been the time singing right there where you first experienced God in the way I did back in Houston, 1973. Might be the way you first experienced God in a very personal, deep way. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We're going to be there forever. It's going to be glorious. Father in heaven, we thank you for the grace, your grace, that saves sinners. We come to you today acknowledging, confessing that we, like John Newton, we may not have been involved in something as wicked as trading slaves, kidnapping, and selling human beings, things that deserved, should have been put to death for such things. We may not have done that, but Father, we confess we did so many things that would have made us worthy of your judgment, mocking your name, taking your name in vain, dishonoring parents, idols in our life, lust, pride, selfishness, theft, lying, so many things. And it was the grace of God that saved us. We, we do not contend that we have earned your salvation. We contend that Jesus was good enough to save us. We weren't good enough, but he was. We believe that his death could save a wretch like us. Thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Might we revel in it and enjoy it and embrace it, and might it spread widely through our nation and the world, the grace of God found through faith in Jesus Christ. We bless you and love you. We pray it in his name. Amen. Amen and amen. Wow, what a beautiful song. I hope you're encouraged by it. And I hope you've experienced the grace of God. If not, why not right now? Just reach out to him and say, Father, I need your salvation. Some people seem to have something with you that I don't have. Some people have a relationship with you, God, that it doesn't seem like I have. And I want that. I want to know you personally. I want to know your salvation. I want to experience your closeness. If that's you, just pray to God. Father, give that this person who's ever got that on their heart right now, that true faith, experience your grace, receive your salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for being with me. Hey, if you're new, a special welcome. I hope you subscribe, leave a comment, share with your friends, like the video. If you're new, I hope you do the same things. Tell your friends, let's grow our channel. I'm so glad to have you along. So glad to know that we're here every single day, 8.30 a.m. live, or later in the day you can watch or listen and even hear the podcast and the Apple, Spotify, or Google platform. Just search for Tom the Preacher. But I hope you come every day because we want to be in the Word of God and growing input of God's Word, inspiration and encouragement on a daily basis, it will make a difference. And if you're here every day, I'm so glad for the privilege of sowing the Word of God into the good soil of your life. So until we meet tomorrow, might God fill you with grace, 
faith, love, and know you're loved by him and loved by me as well. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.